When we think of romance, we think of something inherently good and joyous, and perhaps that is why so many of us love a good romantic story. It is fun to watch two characters that you love fall in love themselves, and it is cathartic when your favorite ship finally happens. But what happens when there is a problem with that ship? What if I told you that there is a harmful side to many of these stories that we find so endearing? And what if I told you that looking for love that we find in all of these stories can not just be hurtful, but outright dangerous? This is The Return of the Movie. And hello and welcome everyone. It is The Return of the Movie. I'm Ben and I'm here with our guest this evening, Callie from the Melanin Muses podcast in Urban Jedi. Hi guys. And also in the booth, we have Kenny. Kenny, say hello. Hello. Yeah, Kenny, uh, can you give us some positive encouragement from the booth? Got this. Um, yeah, we are here with a especially interesting episode tonight. I feel like the last two episodes have actually been spurred on by the conversation that we had with you, because this one's all about romance in media. We had a brief conversation about this um, when we were talking about toxic fandoms, and it turned into something that everyone on the team said, okay, we have a lot going on here. We got to get Callie back on the podcast and actually go through this, though. Um, so here we are, and Callie's back on the podcast. Uh, okay. Real quick, though, I have to give a shout out to someone who couldn't be here. We had a call-in system placed for him. Um, our other contributor, Matt Keim, who is out in L.A. He's one of our other content creators here. He helped me with coming up with the uh, trope list and the outline for today. He did a wonderful video on the Before Trilogy, which is a romance trilogy, um, which doesn't happen often. It's the, I think it's one of the only romance trilogies to ever exist. Um, and it's fantastic. Go check out that video. He did an awesome job. Sorry we couldn't have you tonight, Matt, but uh, we love you and we miss you. Good riddance. Kenny! <laughs> Positive encouragement. I'm kidding. I love you, Matt. I love you. Oh, okay. He knows. He knows. I guess first thing that we want to go into, though. Um, so this is just an important pretense for the actual reason why we're talking about this. Um, when we talk about relationships in media, we are talking about a hyper-realized version of romance. Um, and... The main reason why this can be a especially big problem is because of a phenomenon known as love mapping. Ooh. So, um, I believe that you know some that you know some things about this term. Mm-hmm. Can't walk us through that. Um, so basically, the concept of love mapping comes from, if I'm not mistaken, the Gottman Institute, which it has a background in relationships and how to develop love dynamics. When it comes to love mapping, it's how we make our love work for us. I yeah. guess in layman terms, that would be the best way to kind of break it down. So basically, the type of media that we ingest directly contributes to the love maps that we internalize. And it becomes an issue moving forward if we have unrealistic expectations for the love that we wish to receive. Exactly. And that is where all this gets really problematic. Uh, I was I was talking with Matt over this in like a really simple analogy for this is like you'll see pretty much in any space where memes exist, there will be the memes of like 
why am I attracted to, like, goth people and goth girls? And then it'll be like, oh, it's because I watched these shows as a kid. And it'll be like Kim Possible with oh, Shigo or Attack on Titan. Well, not Attack on Excuse Ooh, no. me. Teen Titan. <laughs> I We talk about Attack on Titan too much on this podcast. Attack on Titan will result in very different love mapping. Um, oh, Teen Titan God. with Raven. Um, and that's the kind of thing. It's like, especially when you're a kid is when you are really susceptible to these things Mm -hmm. which leads into the second problem um most romance is targeted at women but also in particular young younger women the little ones the little ones and uh this is kind of where we get into the disney channel original series world that Mm. everyone is familiar with because there was a spot around i want to say 2006 to 2014 Mm -hmm. where they especially decided that their target audience was going to be young uh, teen and preteen girls. Yes. And that's when a lot of the tropes that we're going to be talking about today just show up in Disney Channel even though a lot of the tropes that we're about to talk today are not good tropes. No. It's going to be a bad time. Um, So... (laughs) Wait, I thought... We're gonna have a good time. Uh, no, you're you're the only positivity here today, Kenny. It's okay. going to be sad hours. Um, it's but a tough love today, guys. I'm mm, we're we're gonna burst some bubbles, unfortunately, gently as gently as possible. But you know, truths are hard to swallow. So just a little bit at a time, a little bit. On that, I think uh, let's talk about our five least favorite romance tropes. Mm. So to start with. Number five, um, this is going to be the lightest of all of them. We're going to talk about one that uh, I personally like. Me too. Um, <laughs> and that is friends to lovers. Um, so this is a- anyone that is in fan fiction world. This is a tag for a reason. Um, and this is the phenomena of like, ah, uh, you grew up with this person. You're really close. You're best friends. And then a relationship forms mm. and it's great you guys are honing in on everything that's really good about each other um like i think for me one of the things that i really liked growing up was the percy jackson books yes so like oh my goodness yeah like percy and annabeth i'm like i liked them um <laughs> but <laughs> We also end up in a situation where uh, I remember, like, I liked this trope. And I eventually, I remember, like, as a kid, I could pull from some experience. I mapped onto this trope a little bit. And I would end up with such a crush on all of my friends. And it was such a problem. Mm. So this is this is number five. Um, we do have a couple other, like, interesting examples. What has been your experience with this trope, though? So... With my experience, uh, when it comes to friends to lovers, the idea that you can find a best friend in a person that you're romantically interested in is inherently good. Yeah. um, In that you cultivate a friendship first and then develop into the romantic portions of how a relationship naturally develops over time. Because, you know, as we probably know, the earlier stages of relationships are the best the honeymoon phase where you're just like everything is awesome i love this person so much they know everything about me but then as time goes on it gets a little stale or you know it's not as exciting and then the mundane starts to seep in it's that friendship 
that keeps people together. Yes. So the idea that, you know, I might not always want to jump this person's bones, but I love sitting and watching my favorite show with them because, you know, we like the same stuff yeah. and we vibe to these things together. So it's not always hot and heavy, fast and hard all the time. It's those quiet moments that really solidify the relationship. Yeah. And I feel like that is one of the things that it's the reason why this is like, because there are problems with this because of love mapping. Mm. But inherently, this is probably the least harmful trope on the list because it is actually starting out with, here's a good example of what a relationship can look like. Yes. And you have to really go, okay, there's things that really work here. The parts where this trope can kind of break down a little bit for me mm-hmm. is when it turns into a, um, a when it turns into kind of like a plot device or a plot service mm. so let's say you have two characters within a show or movie who they are just they start out as just friends usually the opposite sex of one yes. yes oh yep but no, always the opposite too. sex that's in mainstream media, that's what we focus oh, on is heterosexual relationship yes. dynamics. I should all I, I feel like heteronormativity, unfortunately, is gonna be a big theme throughout most of this, with it, the exception of like some of the latter ones, I think. Oh boy. I think it's responsible for like most of um, most of these the lists that, that we have here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think um we're but yeah, you end up in this situation where like you the writers just go, I like both of these characters. I'ma smash them together. <laughs> Um, let me smash. Let me <laughs> smash them together. Um, and yeah, it it turns into quite the it turns into quite the hot mess narratively sometimes. Mm-hmm. But there are some people that like even when it, you're like, oh, that's not a ship that I'd agree with. They'll still go, oh, I love friends to lovers though, and yeah. then just kind of excuse it away. And it's a really cute dynamic at times, especially. I will say uh, sparingly, the childhood friend to lovers trope specifically. Yep. Only because a lot of the time it's uh, it's marked as like a predestined type of relationship. Yeah. Like we grew up together. We know everything about each other. We're the only people in the world who understand each other. No yes. one else will ever compare because they've never had the same experiences or connection or just the longevity that we've endured. And that makes it really harmful moving forward because it doesn't allow for new people to come into that dynamic. Yeah. Or, goodness forbid, that doesn't work out. Um, if a new person comes in, there's always that comparison. That person knows more about, more me. about me than yeah. this person. And, you know, I prefer... It's like a, a tug yeah. of war. No, and especially, like, the, the uh, what you're describing, like, I feel like is the classic example of, like, when you love map onto this trope you're gonna put yourself in a situation where you literally set yourself up for one person that that odds are does not feel the same way and then you end up with a like ah i now only am experiencing unrequited love Mm -hmm. and it's just it's not a good it's not a good thing to have happen with how you interpret romance yeah it's very limiting so I guess I'm going to go to our next trope, which I also think is extraordinarily limiting. We're going to talk about the fucking meat cute. Uh, um, meat cute? <laughs> the meat cute, Kenny, not the meat cue. Oh. Yes, there is an important distinction within these words. Um, the meat cute 
for anyone that is unfamiliar, this is number four in our list. Uh, also, really cute idea. It's you're like you're carrying all the books, and then you turn around to a corner and you bump into someone, and all the books knock down, and then you guys are picking out the books and you you touch each other's hands and you lock eyes, and then you get all blushy about it, and then you go your separate ways, or you start talking it out, and then no matter what, romance ensues. Mm. Um, it will likely never happen to you. Yeah. I do not know how else to say this. Damn it. <laughs> It's, I'm sorry, Kenny, you will not wander into a random stranger, bump into them, and then, and then, like, exchange numbers. They will be scared if you ask for it. Especially post-COVID. Um, okay. It, COVID has shifted a lot of how we interpret interactions with people. First off, bumping into someone, touching. Oh my god. Oh lord. Yeah. Oh lord, touching. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> Different times. It's like, ooh, no. <laughs> there was a time before COVID where, like, you used to be able to, like, uh, with someone that you were, like, working with, be like, hey, I'm going behind you, and then you'd be able to, like, touch yeah, their like, shoulder oh. and sort of do that. And that's, like, kind of what I considered the social limit of, like, touching someone that you were barely familiar with. Mm-hmm. But now I'm like, I'll only touch you if you want me to spot you. Yes. And that is it. Uh-huh. I, I, no fingers. Um, like I, I work in, um, I work in the entertainment industry. I am mostly an audio technician and stagehand and videographer and all that stuff. So I am working around other people in busy environments all the time. Mm-hmm. And there are always situations where like before COVID, you used to just be kind of hands-on with everyone. It wasn't a big deal if you bumped. And then after COVID, it was like, you have your mask on, I have my mask on, and we are going to work as far away from each other. And like, even now that it's kind of calmed down, there's still this lingering social, don't do that. Yes. So that means that the meet cute is even less likely to occur. Um, I mean, unless it's a digital meet cute, and even then that's... Okay, what is what's the prefix? you play you play World of Warcraft and you see the other players <laughs> a skin or mount and you're just like wow. it's the same mount as mine. Oh wow. my goodness. Yes. There, problem solved. Yeah, there, that's that's get the to it, writers. you're gonna do it. Um go go get on go log on to Destiny or WoW or Val I, I actually don't know about other MMOs. I'm a Destiny player. Um sue me. Um but <laughs> Okay, I'm. I, I know my partner's probably watching. I think like I may have gotten lucky. I may have one of the only like me cute experiences ever. Aww. But it was already on a date. Okay. It was. We were Aww. already on a date. I have now been dating this person for three years, and we lived together close to three years, and we lived together. Um, but we we went on a date, and then we were both just walking, like talking, and. I tripped in a pothole, we laughed, and then we walked two steps further, and she tripped in a pothole, and that's, we live in Philadelphia. That is what that is. That's adorable. Love at first pothole. Love at first pothole. Um, Oh, Philly of you. It's very, we do not pave our roads here, guys. It's a Philadelphia love story. I love that. Yeah. um, But, like, even then, that's not a real meet cute, though, because we were already on a date. Yes, this is very true. Uh, hmm. That adds another layer to it. Because when I think of meet cute, I think of just this happenstance type serendipitous occurrence yeah. um, that blossoms into something more. I wonder, 
Are you familiar with Meet Joe Black, the movie? I am not familiar with Meet Joe Black. Nope. Okay, so this is a movie that came out, I wager, late 1990s. It's starring uh, Brad Pitt and has... uh, I forgot. But basically, he is the um, death, and he goes on a vacation. So in order to go on a vacation for death, he has to inhabit a recently deceased person's body so that he can masquerade as that person on the planes of the living um and he does that but the the funny thing is the guy whose body he's inhabiting actually just met a beautiful woman um and he i think i have seen this you may have i i haven't i haven't but it's like i don't want to spoil too much of it for anybody who hasn't seen it but it's a very it, romance it, there's like saturated a, movie in that yeah that is there like a hotel and someone gets hit by a bus am i thinking of the same thing something like that. i know the gif that it's if that's the case brad pitt getting hit by two taxis okay we may all be on the same movie we may not be if you know in the comments <laughs> please let us know yes please um but, yeah um but i think what it's a, a disaster it's a perfect example of meet cute and how that trope kind of perpetuates itself because they he like essentially falls in love with the woman at first sight um and he decides that he wants to be with her so he starts orchestrating these situations where he's closer they get to know each other he meets her father for a business type thing yeah and it's just very reminiscent of how we can fall in love at any moment with anyone even a supernatural being who's only here for vacation. And it's kind of like, it's lovely. It's a very lovely concept. Yeah. But, mm, no. You know, oddly enough, we didn't put Monster Fucker on the list, so. <laughs> I was actually thinking for Weekend sure. at Bernie's for this. <laughs> this, sounds like, this sounds like Weekend at Bernie's. Oh, yeah, Lord. a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Different we, we, we missed our opportunity. It's not on the list, guys. Sorry. Um, so... Let us know in the comments below if you want us to talk about monster fuckers. Honestly, that it, there's room to talk about it, but we do not have that prepped. We know what we do have prepped: the love triangle. There we go. So this nice is segue. thank you. Um, so this is. I feel like I shouldn't have to explain this one, but you should. I should because it's a media literacy podcast. There we go. It is the you have someone who's torn between two people they're in love with person a usually it's a woman with a man with mm. two men and really 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 like him and then you have this other dude who is a perfect foil to the other person that they're in love with mm-hmm. and now this individual is torn between both of them which i mean the first example that anyone should be able to think of in the modern era would be Twilight. I knew you were gonna. I was gonna. Say fuck- that. Of course oh, I was. That goes with Meet Cute too. I haven't watched the movies because I. Well, I have. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. I watched the first one. I watched <laughs> them all. I, watched I read the all the one. books too. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I promise you, I uh, won't. The, okay. the hero we deserve. Oh I'm. Uh, Lord have it, mercy. I, I want to ask. I know. I probably know the question, but is it true that like when you're reading those books, it feels like you're reading someone's personal diary that should never have been published? Yes. Especially the one where Edward goes away. I forgot which one that was. Don't. But yeah, because it's just. Oh, it's. I'm sorry, but please continue. Oh no no no! no. I'm. It, I just like to add. Um, 
the love triangle, what we call a love triangle. I disagree with the term love triangle. It's not a love triangle. It's a love corner. I see. Yeah, because yes. it's just this. Yeah. Yeah. You're. It's just two guys just cornering a girl. Ooh. So. In order for it to be a love triangle, <laughs> we would need pure bisexual energy throughout the entire yeah. thing. This yeah. is true. In which case, if they were smart, they could just polycue it and there's no conflict. Yep. But I guess that doesn't make for a great story. Not in a heteronormative society. No. 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 Definitely not. Um, so I feel like as far as how problematic this trip can obviously be from a love mapping perspective, um, it is everyone remembers high school. You all remember the drama people in your high school. That's I'm not saying that because they were theater kids, which they were, but because, yeah, I'm I'm subtweeting someone on that for sure. Um, Oops. But as you are entering, as you're entering that, especially especially in high school, sometimes in college, you end up with the person that is torn between two people and sometimes dating two people, but they don't know about, and is essentially cheating and i'm gonna say the reason why this is where it is on the list Mm -hmm. is because when you start replicating this trope or trying to repeat it in real life without like honest communication between the people that because you can be in a situation where you have two people that you really like that's possible oh yeah but to go about it in the way that most movies and books and anything that needs conflict for a story to happen Mm -hmm you're going to end up with the overall bad thing that all these tropes do not cover, which is communication. Yes. Um, and when you start doing this really early on, you can end up in a situation where you have really, really bad relationship habits within your other relationships. Agreed. So, like, I'm, I'm talking, like, if you're... This is, I, this is a little bit of conjecture on my part, but, like, if I'm going based off of the idea that, okay, your habits when you are earlier in life set you up for the rest of your life Mm -hmm. i am also presuming that if you were in situations where you were torn between two people dating two people and essentially cheating on two people you're also more likely to end up cheating on people later in life very much so and i kind of want to piggyback off of that um using the (laughs) twilight example specifically okay (laughs) the character of bella does not know what she wants uh romantically relationship wise none of that so by the time that portion in the series happens where Bella is connecting with Jacob, the werewolf character, after Edward, the vampire character, goes off because he's like, I can't be with you because it's too dangerous and you won't live your life if I'm still here. So he leaves her alone and she can't cope with that emotionally. So in order to overcome that, she starts to emotionally tether herself to Jacob. Yes. Now, mind you, Jacob is portrayed as a younger person to her but he's also very very smitten with sorry excuse me yes like she's high school and he's maybe a couple years younger than her oh okay okay but he's still in high school right please tell me like in the early part oh um there's already a lot of problematic when i tell you this series is nothing to emulate i i literally like as far as jacob's concerned i just know the one scene from the movie you imprinted on my daughter yeah um (laughs) that was i was thinking of (laughs) but that's like so much worse Um, no i know it's sad (laughs) i know we can have a whole podcast on just the subject that that covers because even then that's like projecting that's not real anyway uh backing up um sorry we digress (laughs) so bella is 
leaning on Jacob emotionally to fill that void that she has for Edward since he's gone. The weird part is she she dictates that relationship the entire time. So she is in control of when she sees him, what they do, although, you know, Jacob pushes boundaries occasionally. But it's just, it's not fair to the other person if you have feelings for them and you your mind and heart is occupied with someone else. Yes. And that's what happened the entire time she was spending time with Jacob, is she wasn't focused on Jacob. She wasn't interested in getting to know Jacob and investing in his well-being. None of that. Yeah. She wanted Jacob because he was giving her attention. So I feel like this kind of... So this does play into a um, a real-life situation, Mm -hmm. which is... um, Oh, I'm blanking out on it. It's it's the classic rebound. Oh, yes. Yes. The bench warmer. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, like, I... I, I didn't coin these terms. No. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, well, brutal. Yeah. I, it's really bad. I, There's a whole... Yeah. I really hate the bench warmer as a phrase. I hate the breadcrumbing. But sorry, oh, go ahead. Breadcrumbing? I don't know that you, one. I'll explain. Okay. Ahead, I will ask about breadcrumbing in like two seconds. Yeah. Um, the rebound, I feel like a lot... Of, and like, this is something that I cannot exclude because like, we're all people. We all grow through things. We all go through things like... A lot of people, myself included, who have had bad breakups have like been like, I'm going to try to put myself out there immediately. Yeah. And then you end up in this situation where, just as you described, you're super emotionally distant. And the only thing that you're getting is that attention. Mm-hmm. And like that comes from a real place within that trope. Mm-hmm. And it's good to acknowledge that that place exists. That place has a spot within storytelling. Yes. It is problematic when the... it. It is problematic when it is existing in the love triangle trope itself. Mm-hmm. And painted as romantic. Yes. Because, like, I remember the era of Team Jacob, Team Edward. Which team were you You guys? were Team... Well, I actually... Oh, wow, apparently I have an opinion on this. Yeah. <laughs> Which team are you, Ben? <laughs> apparently Edward for some reason. I'm Team Edward. Okay. I know nothing about their relationship. I'm just like... I don't either. I just like Robert Pattinson. You guys are Robert funny. Pattinson's a good actor. He I'll is. Give him that. He is. I mean, he will always have the uh, Edward shadow over his shoulder, but I he, we're not going to talk about it. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but, okay, fun, yeah. fun fact yes. real quick. Did you know that uh, the actor of Jacob, his fiance, uh, her high school crush was uh, Robert Pattinson? So he got bellowed. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Poor boy. No. Taylor Lautner, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I'm so yeah. sorry. So sorry, man. catch a break, man. That, nothing, I was about to say nothing good came from the Twilight series, but we literally just talked about the fact that Robert Pattinson is a gem. Yeah. So, ro- thank you, Twilight, for giving us Robert Pattinson, even though, technically speaking, Harry Potter may have given him to us. But... I, I would wager that, and I think that's where my boat is. That's that's where your boat is? Fuck Twilight! Um, I need to know what breadcrumbing is okay. right away. So, for those of you who don't know, breadcrumbing within this romantic relationship dynamic type thing is when you have someone who likes you, and you know that they like you. So you'll do little things to keep them around you. So it's not necessarily like you don't really have any full intention of engaging them romantically or even having like a uh, romantic interaction at all. You're more so saying, hey, like you'll pop up out of nowhere. 
send them a text message. Hey, are you uh, free tonight? And they're kind of like, you know, they like you. So they're gonna be like, hell yeah, I'm free. What would you want to do? So you go out, have a good time. Okay, see you later. Bye. And then you don't talk to them for like six months. So that's the word for that. And as you start to, (laughs) you might say, okay, the reason people breadcrumb, it's kind of like, uh, you know, the story of Hansel and Gretel with uh, leaving the breadcrumbs so that they could get home from being lost in the forest. You lead someone on by giving them small pieces to keep them coming back to you. Yeah. Um, and it's not a good way to do... Some people don't do it on purpose. It is... I, I would argue that um, uh, whether or not manipulation is intentional or though, it is still manipulation. This is very true. So, like, yeah, I... So I have from- absolutely been on the receiving end of that before. I don't know if I have been, maybe like in high school, I've been on the giving end of that. But like, holy, I, I did not know there was an actual phrase for that. I was just like, wow, I'm, I got many times a ghosted in my, uh, in my college years. Same here. That's how, that's how I was mm-hmm. feeling about that. Same here. Wow. I- okay. I, I, my world just got shattered by that. Um, well, that's interesting though because it's kind of creating this situation where you're struggling in order to like actually keep into a relationship which leads us into number three no yeah excuse me number four (laughs) on our uh least favorite love tropes which is gonna have to be the struggle love Mm. now we talked about this very briefly on um two episodes ago when we had you but this is this is the trope of literally you are in this romance and it's hot and heavy and it's, you're going through it and then honeymoon phase sort of ends and you end up in the sort of opposite situation of what we talked about being the ideal thing about friends to lovers where you guys actually aren't very well made for each other nope. and you're watching two in this case in media you're watching two characters trying to make this relationship work no matter what. Despite the fact that they are obviously not made for each other. Yes. Oh, I have a perfect example. Go ahead. Have either of you seen Malcolm and Marie? I have not seen Malcolm and Marie. Okay. No. I thought you were going to say Malcolm in the Middle. I was was also (laughs) shook by... I was also... I was like, interesting (laughs) direction, but go on. (laughs) I will say, in Kenny's defense, if you say Malcolm... Regarding a piece of media, I will shoot to. We're about to talk about Malcolm in the Middle on the return of the movie. Like I was not prepared for that. Write that but, down. But, but write that down. Write that down. Malcolm in the Middle podcast next episode. So, like, what is it about? Um, what is it about uh, Malcolm and Marie that really sets this in, though? Okay, so Malcolm and Marie, for those of you who don't know, is a film that came out a few years ago. It's filmed completely in black and white and takes place in one location, which is the home of a prestigious director who just won an award for a movie that he put out. Um, And that's Denzel Washington's son. Please forgive me for not remembering his name off the top of my head, but um, and Zendaya. The actress yeah. from Disney Channel. So the two of them are a couple in this movie. He's the director. Yes. Um, and she is the actress. But she was not the actress in his movie. It turns out throughout the story you learn that they've been together for a really long time. Uh, through very, very traumatic and uh, dangerous situations together. And his entire movie was basically a biog- her biography. But he cast another actress to play her Ah. in his film. 
And so that was the point of contention, the entire movie. The entire movie basically is one really long argument. This is a recent movie, and I now completely remember yeah. what yeah. you're talking about. This came out, um, this came out during 2020, mm-hmm. I think. Well, 21. Was, 21. 2021. It, I know that it was filmed during lockdown. Yes. I remember the story behind this. I didn't. Yes. We were, <laughs> there was a certain period on this channel where we were like, we have to watch all the Oscars. Mm-hmm. And then like. Matt, Alex, and I killed ourselves watching all the Oscars, and we're like, we're probably not doing that again. Because um, it's a lot... Anyone that does Oscar coverage, the amount of media coverage that you have to do in order to watch all that and actually have an informed opinion is astounding. Oh my. Um, but going on that, there's actually... So that's a perfect example. Mm-hmm. You end up with a really toxic situation, and the movie is kind of playing into that so i have another important question does the movie end with them staying together yes yep okay Hashtag that was the spoiler alert nope that's important for the topic of the podcast because Oops. i needed to know if it was a subversion or not no um i'm real briefly going to talk about something that we've covered on this channel before uh in particular matt has who is again not here but he has a fantastic video go click in that corner if you're in the video version later on or if you're in the audio version well you could also click that version but that's eh, fine mm-hmm. um go moving on though so in the before trilogy so these three movies um they're all about sort of like slice of life romance and they're all a subversion of everything that we just talked about mm-hmm. um there is a meet cute sort of there is a really blooming relationship. There's not really a friends to lover aspect, but it is in its own way a deconstruction of romance movies in its time. And this was originally, these movies were shot back in the 90s, but then they kept coming back. And I think the latest one was in the uh, mid to late 2000s. So in the final one, you end up following this couple and they're now at a much later point in their life. They're married and they're having actual problems throughout their relationship. And interestingly enough, this is the first movie in the entire uh, trilogy where they're speaking lines that go to actors that are not this couple. Okay. Beforehand, it was a very avant-garde piece. It was every movie, the only uh, named characters are these two people. Mm. And, like, if there is a speaking line, it's very, very small. But suddenly, you're now being thrust into a situation where you're comparing and contrasting this married couple that's having problems within their marriage, as people do when they get older, because life happens, and uh, people's uh, motivations will start to either drift, and there may be issues about communication, or there may be issues about just what life is doing to you in that moment, and how that can affect your relationship. Oh, yeah. But you're suddenly being having these characters now having all these problems and I feel like this movie doesn't necessarily go into the struggle love aspect. It is a struggle love movie because you're watching these characters debating whether or not they're going to stay together or not. Mm -hmm. And I believe the ending is ambiguous but the director and actors were like, we totally believe they got together but I think that's just because the director and actors shipped the couple so hard. Mm -hmm. Um... But you end up with a situation where this movie is now giving you an example of, like, you're pushing through in a really hard part of your relationship. Mm -hmm. And clearly, it has been really, really good before. Mm. Which kind of leads into, this is the long-form-winded way of me going through this question. Do we think that Struggle Love is an example of, or perhaps a projection from the writers, 
about when your relationship gets difficult and you are pushing through the hard parts. I'm so glad you asked that because I really do want to make that distinction. There is a very big difference between struggle love and a rough patch. So just for clarity's sake, struggle love is when there are two people who may not be compatible and they're trying very hard to create compatibility or maintain the same spark that got them together in the first place. One thing that's unfortunate and very hard to hear is that not all relationships are meant to last. Different relationships have different seasons and for various reasons, but there are times where you need to let go, whether it's for the benefit, your personal benefit, mental health reasons, emotional health reasons, physical health reasons. Um, but that is not if your partner is cheating on you multiple times. Now, obviously, infidelity, unfortunately, does happen. It's up to the couple to decide whether or not they're going to stay together to work through those differences if it's something that's worth pairing. Struggle of would be staying with someone even though you know they're not committed to you at all. Yeah. Or you've had the same issue over and over and over again, but neither person is willing to make a change to it because they want to maintain the status quo. Um, domestic abuse situations are the same oh way. Oh god, I feel like a lot of older movies, mm-hmm. I'm, like a lot of like golden age of cinema will just have a ton of domestic abusers that still end up with their partner at the end Mm -hmm. and it's barely touched upon. Struggle love. That's not a rough patch. If someone is willing to strike you in anger or otherwise, they're going to do it again. And unfortunately, like, until you get to the crux of that, until they're willing to seek help to, you know, overcome whatever anger or, you know, opposition they have, it's... That's a safety concern. Yeah. And staying in those situations, kind of like in the situation with Malcolm and Marie, there was a lot of emotional abuse there. There was a lot of verbal abuse. There was touches of physical abuse, but it was more manipulation and degrading someone emotionally. So it's like that struggle love. That's not true love. That's not real love. That's not... It could have been love at one point, but is now eroded into something completely different. And I, I feel like the real example of, like, where this can get really ugly in real life, especially, like, again, we're talking about these tropes because if you imprint on them, especially at a young age, <laughs> and it, you end up, and it ends up, you end up love mapping to it, this is the kind of situation that can set you up mm. to be the prime target for an abuser later in your life. Or just as bad, if not worse, you could easily end up becoming said abuser without seeing a problem with it. Yes. Um, now, this is not the end all. That's a very blanket statement. There's a lot of other things that feed into this. Mm-hmm. But as far as a media conversation is concerned, that's the thing that I feel like is inherently like where this can go wrong, why you need to be aware of when a trope is being used. Especially, like, this is one that is so close to the top of the list because... I can't really think of a positive example of this other than, like, it's a trauma response. Yes. Yes. In many cases, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I wanted to throw out a piece of media. Mm. Uh, it's not a movie or a TV show. It's actually a stand-up comedy special. Um, have you ever? Have you guys ever heard of Daniel Sloss? No. 
No, but do go on. I strongly, strongly recommend you see his special called Puzzles. Hmm. Or no, Jigsaw. Jigsaw. Um, it's his, that whole special was him going into just love in general. Mm. And um, his relationship with uh, love. And the reason why it's called Jigsaw is that his dad explained, spoilers, a little bit, but watch it because you'll, you'll, you'll have a good laugh. Okay. You'll have a good okay. laugh, okay? I'm, I'm not giving away the punchline of a joke or anything, but more of the thesis of the show mm. where he sees his life as, because his dad explains it to him, your life is like a jigsaw, like, you know, uh, but everybody's lost their pieces. Mm. And as we go through life, we're finding different pieces to put together to form our you know, picture. Yeah. Like, you know, one corner is our job, one corner's our hobbies, one corner's family, etc. Yeah. Um, and his dad explained to him the centerpiece uh, is uh, your significant other, where, uh, like, you know, someone will complete you. And that is such a toxic thing uh, that, that he learned. But no, the jigsaw metaphor works. But if, what he figured out was that the centerpiece is happiness, not your significant mm. other. There For his go. dad, his centerpiece was his mom. Yeah. Because they were just both disgustingly in love with each other. Mm. Right? <laughs> and he went on to say that we are a generation, because of media and the things that we watch, we are... We, we are a generation that... Or, well, blanket statement, but... In general, we are terrified of being alone. Mm. We are terrified of being alone, so that we will latch onto the first thing that we will that, that that we see, and just struggle tooth and nail for it because that is better than being alone. So then, once you do something like that, the ultimate question is like you know, one, do I let go? Two. Do I just uh, accept that I just wasted a couple years of my life because I am terrified of being alone? And I know this is a very depressing subject for a comedy spectacle, <laughs> but I promise you, there's some you'll have some good hahas. Mm. But also, this special is also like the ultimate relationship test Ooh. because he has broken up over a hundred marriages and relationships wow so from, like watching that special? from that yeah from seeing it live and watching it on netflix <laughs> holy Challenge shit accepted. yeah so wow. <laughs> so it's like if i've broken up your relationship please please tweet him at daniel sloss at twitter.com <laughs> so oh um <laughs> i mean talk about marketing <laughs> yeah you're, hey, Daniel, uh, call me. Anyway, um, but, you yeah, know, I strongly recommend you watch it. It's, it's, a, it's very funny. Uh, but, uh, but also, also, you know, there are some parts I disagree with him, uh, but just that main thesis, yeah. I think, really sums up uh, just our, our relationship with romance and media. Sorry, Ben, are you okay over there? I'm like... <laughs> Oh no, that was beautiful. Everything was beautiful about what you just said. Also, I just want to say, uh, I want to give a short shout out to uh, someone in our chat, uh, Toy Box Brain, who responded in the middle of your monologue, Kenny. I always keep forgetting why I'm subscribed crying face, which is exactly like I was having a moment just like, 
this is why I love this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is why we do this. Yeah. Um first of all, holy shit, I love everything about that. Mm-hmm. Um and now I have to get back on my street thought because I was like, no, because I think that that really kind of sums up one of the reasons why I was like, especially like, again, we had that talk after our last taping with you. And I was like, we have to do this episode because this is a thing. And as he said, like, we're a generation, the entire opening thing that I said of why these tropes are bad, why they're harmful and why we can see their effects it's because of fucking Disney Channel. Because oh, every boy. single trope that we're talking about is a plotline in a Disney Channel show that we all watched as kids. Yes, the target audience was young girls, but they had a large percent of boys that were viewers. And if you remember what watching television was like, you watched what was on in the time slot. This was yep. <laughs> so you watched it regardless. Yes. Um, so, fuck. Um, that's great. You put it beautifully. So I'm now going to move on because that's where we are at. <sighs> this last one, oh, our what this is this is the most egregious one in oh, my opinion. My favorite. It's your favorite. <laughs> um, I I despise this one. I'm gonna get I I know people that really, really like it. Um, and I always say they're wrong. Enemies to lovers Woo. is a bad take. It's a bad trope. Ooh, hot take from hot Ben. Hot take Collin. from Ben, apparently. Um, <laughs> going into going into again imprinting and love mapping. Um, and also just explaining this for people that are not familiar with enemies to lovers. I guess they don't read fan fiction. Um, we are talking about when two characters start out as literal fucking enemies. I am talking um like. Kylo Ren and Rey from Star Wars are like the most classic example. These are two people that are designed systemically to hate each other and eventually will come into some romance. And nine times out of ten, it will be pretty fucking forced, actually. I felt zero romance from those two. Like, it was like, I think it barely qualifies, in my opinion. Thank you. (laughs) Like, you. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks. It, it sucks. It's bad. Um, and yes, it is fun to read. It is. It it is there. It is fun to watch when it's done right. Mm. Um, again, the example that I just gave is like the it, like that is an example that was birthed from literally um, a studio executive being like, I see that Ray, I see that uh, Raylo is shit yeah, that, that was... people really like, and that's why they put it in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though all the romantic work that had been done previously was with Finn. Thank you. Um, I don't... I was rooting for them. I was rooting for them. It made sense from the plot. Otherwise, because at the point that they were that... Finn had nothing to do except be a romantic interest. Thank you. But also the dynamic that they were working with, their backstories. Yeah. It made it sense. I I promise that we avoid to talk talking about Star Wars on this fucking channel because this Star Wars is too much to go into. You can't escape. It can never escape Star Wars. <laughs> um what this boils down to though is like I think this is the worst this is one of the worst ones to get imprinted on because oh, yes. it can lead into what we just talked about with struggle love. Yes it can. It it, yes. it is absolutely a gateway to end up in a real life struggle love. You don't want to be in a real life struggle love. That's a bad place to be. Yes. Am I I'm, you said I'm allowed to curse, right? Yes, you're allowed to curse. Okay. Uh, fuck so many times. <laughs> I, 
I have to keep reminding. No, it's fine. Uh, you, okay, I, it, like I will, I will give you credit from a podcasting standpoint, though. Thank you for keeping that in mind because it is a real thing. If we release stuff in explicit, it gets passed around less in the iTunes store. Yeah, that is a real thing. And if you are just learning that in the stream or on the podcast, now you know that's a real thing. Okay. Um, we use explicit. Okay. We're we we take that risk. All right. Well, here we go. So, when it comes to enemies to lovers, the weirdest thing about that is when you have people who don't vibe at all. Like they're they actually hate each other. Like there's. But that goes into the idea, you know, there's a thin line between love and hate. The opposite of love isn't hate, it's apathy. It's when you don't give a fuck about the other person at yeah. all. Like, they, they don't show up on your radar because they're not important enough. Hating someone is the other side of loving someone. But that's why it's such a dangerous trope. Because hate is more like uh, resentment and like vengeance or wanting to get back at someone or hurt them. As opposed yeah. to providing them love, care, compassion, and everything else that you need from a partner. So if you have a relationship based off of how much someone despises you, for whatever reason, that's not a good way to start anything. Nope. And even if you go into that passionate, like, not hate-fucking, I guess, um, that passionate role in the hay that maybe translated into something else, it's hard to maintain that. That's a fire that burns very brightly and goes out just as quickly. Yes. Um, and I think a lot of people enjoy the danger or the romance that comes with it because little known fact, when we experience fight or flight, um, you know, the, our parasympathetic nervous system starts to go crazy because we identify something as a threat or something that is life threatening. When we find someone attractive, but they trigger that in us, some people might confuse that with love butterflies or you know sexual arousal yeah but in reality it's your body's warning signs going off saying this is a bad idea but people go for that high that comes with it yeah I, yeah it's, it's an arousal yes yes arousal. so yes. That, that could be both anger fear or sexual yes yeah um first of all yeah hor- horrifying actuality of that trip mm-hmm. um and, and one of the pieces that like i like that's one of the reasons why I find this trope kind of egregious, and I, I do see comments that are like that are from the fan fiction people already in the live chat that are like, "I love it. It's great to well, read." Well, fan fiction I, is great, not in a real life. Yeah, capacity. fan, fan fiction is <laughs> great. The issue, like, I feel like when you engage with fan fiction, or especially let's let's face it, a lot of fan fiction exists is very close to pornographic if not intended to be pornographic the lemons. if you can engage in lemons. your media if you if you can engage in your media mm-hmm. knowing that something is bad consume it all you want yeah. the <laughs> issue where this comes in and is when it is actually displayed in any form of media that is not inherently kind of existing for mm arousal like i feel like we're we're gonna get into a little bit more sex talk right now Mm. the line between porn and reality is a real fucking thing that you have to acknowledge and yes porn media literacy is just as important as actual media literacy this is true so and like this can extend into things like understanding how bdsm works 
understanding um, uh, and like understanding that like something that is displayed as a fantasy on film is not actually okay in a real life situation unless you're role playing. What do you like about parafetish? Um, Sexual relationships. It's like para meaning like extra outside of. Yes. And it's not good because most of those things aren't socially acceptable. No. Or are potentially dangerous for the people engaging in them. Yes. Um, yeah, and that is, that's a really important aspect of this. Mm-hmm. And the fact is, is that enemies to lovers, you'll see a ton in these. The issue yeah. is when it pops up in actual pieces of media. So, like, the fact that it even made it into Star Wars, despite the fact that it made no fucking sense, mm-hmm. is bad. But the fact is, is that Star Wars is definitely not the only example of this happening. No, no. It's just the most famous, most recent version of this happening. Mm-hmm. So, anytime that we're having this, and there were a couple elements within, there were a couple, like, plot lines, I think, like, in Hannah Montana and, mm. a, a, and another couple of Disney shows that did do enemies to lovers. Yeah. Should not be there. And I'm, I, I struggle with the reasoning behind it because I understand it from, uh, like, well, I don't understand it because I don't actually like the trope at all. But... I, like, understand why it could happen within a more fan-based pornographic setting. I do not 100% understand why it would happen in someone's actual writing. I forget the anime trope name for it. You know, like, when a character likes another character, but that character is like, Oh, fuck out! Oh, Sundere! Yes! Something like that, yeah. Yeah, Sundere, I think that's it. Um, Neon Genesis Evangelion! Oh, gee, money. I know we we haven't talked about that enough on this show. Um, Yeah, we haven't talked about Neon because honestly, like I love Neon Genesis Evangelion. It's a really good piece of media. There's so many problematic things in it. There are things in there that I think like, oh, this problematic thing is an honest interpretation of X Y Z, and is saying a lot of really cool, interesting things. I like, but it's also like. Certain characters should not have been interested in certain characters in uh-huh. the final. Psychology, religion, and philosophy. All wrapped all in wrapped one. into one. Yeah. I, I will say if you have not watched Neon Jealousy and Evangelion, um All of them. All all of them. <laughs> yeah, do all of them. Actually watch the original, then watch the movies Amazon put out. Because the movies that Amazon put out like it's like, ah, this fixed all of the problems that I had with this. Yes. Um Wait, I just thought of a love triangle. Sorry. Go. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that just it just popped into my head because I was like, oh, you know what else people should watch? Berserk. No, don't. Yes, do but I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, okay. Don't do that to yourself. Just. Uh, I will say, no, I've talked about Berserk a little bit. I actually, I have to do a whole video essay on this in order to be able to talk about this justly because I think that Berserk does incredible things with how it talks about survivors Mm. it does incredible things specifically specifically male survivors i also think that berserk is very sexist at times it goes off the it goes off yeah (laughs) and like it's amazing this is a groundbreaking piece of media that does things that like a lot of western media hasn't even tried or done justly Mm. and it does it so fucking well yes at the same time don't emulate that no none of that we don't None want of any it. of that. <laughs> and there, there is... I, I don't really think that Enemies to Lovers exist within Berserk, because I think Berserk is smart enough to know that it's a problem. Mm-hmm. Because I will say, 
Berserk is, an, I think it's a much, I think it's a little bit smarter. It is. That. No, definitely. I was, yeah. I was thinking more Casca and um, Guts. Yeah, Casca like, and that, Guts is... That's the only... So, for those of you who don't know without me spoiling too much, as far as the enemies to lovers trope, within the Berserk series, initially the character Casca, who's the right-hand man of Griffith... Griffith... Griffith. Who's the leader of the band of Hawk? He she loves him very much and she gets really upset when um Guts comes in because Griffith has like his eyes all over him. He's like, yo, you're you're one. And he's like, she's like, ah no, me, I'm the one. Yes. Get out of here. So that's where the enemy piece comes in, where she hates Guts because she feels like he's gonna replace her. Yes. But then it kind of I <laughs> transitions into something a little different a little more romantic huh. I, you know it's funny i never thought about this um but like casca totally clocked that griffith was like probably either gay or bi and yeah. just didn't fucking tell anyone yeah like and it was she, like yeah she, she just gonna let this rot yeah I mean, good I, thing for not outing him yeah good, good thing for not outing him yeah we do not stand griffith though no griffith um, did everything wrong yes <laughs> everything and on that and on that niche note of the podcast, uh, that niche note, we're gonna end the podcast. Um, thank you guys so much for watching tonight. Um, this was an especially fun episode. Thank you so much for coming back on. Thank we you love for having, having you. Guys. Please yeah. come back again. Yeah, and Kenny, we love having you on here. Uh, Did if you? you are on the live stream. Thank you guys for taking part of this. Uh, a lot of your comments actually spurred on further questions throughout this conversation mm -hmm. and really helped guide it. And you guys are now a part of the permanent audio recording, which uh, if you're listening to this on audio, come by every other Thursday, the week that the episode comes out, because we'll be, excuse me, every other Tuesday, the week that the episode <laughs> comes out, because we will be doing this. Um, and yeah, on that, it's the return of the movie. Bye-bye. Hey, if you liked that episode, please subscribe on your YouTube and your podcatcher of choice. It's going to really help us out. Also, we are, like, super close to monetization right now, which is absurdly crazy. And if you if you do those things and uh, help us out, we're going to be able to make more of the show. That's freaking nuts.